What's up, guys? Max here, back with a brand new episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. Hope you're all doing great out there, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, as always. What's up in the chat to Voyager, Neural, Junior Dell? We have got Corporal John, peace and prosperity to all, HNA, Iron Lotus, Eric S. We've got Ed, Nuggets, everybody. Sam, what's up, everybody? Welcome to today's episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. It's Thursday out here in Okinawa, Japan, which means that tomorrow is Q&A Friday, and I have some big announcements to make. Uh, let me get one out of the way real quick. Unfortunately, next week, I'm going to be out of the office, so there will be no live shows next week. I'm going to try to get some videos up, but there are not going to be any live scuttlebutt shows next week, and then we'll be back the following week after that with some really cool guests, which brings me to a little bit about yesterday. So yesterday, what? how awesome was yesterday, you guys? How great was Ben... Um, how smart of a guy, how much work he's put in this book that he's written. And I see a lot of you in the chat talking about that. You've bought copies of it. Some of you already have your copies. It's so good. It's if you've been reading by water beneath the walls, please leave me a comment on to how much you've been enjoying it. I'm really curious. I cannot recommend it enough. Tiffany, what's up in the chat? And you know, it, whenever we have these guests, uh, the, these, these guests, uh, tend to, you know, invite people to come watch the show, you know, and I'm so honored to have a guest and I'm happy to announce that after next week, when we get back, I've got two guests coming on. One is Rob Sweetman back for his uh, monthly appearance on the show. And then the next one is Captain Navy Captain Duncan Smith, Navy SEAL, who worked on uh, a couple movies, including Active Valor and the Navy SEALs movie. He's going to come on. We're going to talk all about that. So we talked about that yesterday. He's a great guy, a, uh, a real commando. He's been around for a long time. And we're going to have another awesome uh, conversation with the Navy SEAL. So it's going to be great. It's going to be great. What's up, MC? Tiffany, if I didn't already say it, Jaden, what's up? Everybody who's checking in, um, glad you guys are here. And if you missed yesterday's episode, you can always go back and listen to it on the podcast or on the YouTube channel where it will remain up because all guest interviews do remain up. Today, I've got some cool stuff for you guys. We're going to talk a little bit about Ukraine. We're going to talk a little bit about the Air Force and the UCMJ, the Uniform Code of Military Justice. We're going to talk about what's going on with Navy SEALs and uh, the drama that they're in over this COVID vaccine. And we're going to look at uh, an upcoming Amazon special by uh, an interpretation of, a, of the book series by Jack Carr Terminalist. And we're going to go look at the uh, preview. They're, they're coming out with a, sh a show about it. Jack Carr, Navy SEAL author, writes Tom Clancy style novels. I hope that I'm doing that justice by saying that. And uh, we're going to get his new show preview. We're going to do a reaction to it. So I hope you guys are ready for that. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. And uh, I want to open today's show, as always. Jaden, what's up? Doing great. Thanks. How are you? Doing great as well. Jaden Quest. Uh, what's up? HNOS says, Ben's drive thoroughly researched the way he did is impressive as hell. Yeah, it really is. Iron Lotus says, Scuttlebutt, did you ever want to be a Navy SEAL? No, I didn't. I never really did. Um, I think everyone at some point in their lives who was in the Navy has thought about it. You know, like, oh, you know, I wonder if I could make it, you know? But... It, it was never for me. It was never uh, what I was, you know, destined to do. So I hope that answers your question. I always, you know, there's the part of me that wonders if I if I could have had what it takes, but um, I didn't, I, I, but I know that that's not true because I never signed up to go, right? So I, I guess the, that answers the question. I'm sure if I was put in that situation where I was being, you know, beat down in uh, freezing cold in there in hell week or something like that, that uh, maybe I would have rung the bell because I never even went to go in the first place. I don't know. I guess that's uh, that period of my life is is uh, is beyond behind me now. So thanks for the question. I do appreciate it. As always, Fridays are, you know, feel free to come ask me any question you want. I have no plans for tomorrow's show um, except for to answer you guys questions. So I'll be here for that. And I will be posting a Zoom link. So one more quick thing about tomorrow's Scuttlebutt show is I will be posting a Zoom link. So if you want to jump in and leave a comment, say something, appear on the Scuttlebutt show, I'm just going to have that out there. That's up to you. Do what you want with that. Take it or leave it. Um, that's going to be a thing. We'll see how it goes. And I'll start doing that. And if anybody wants to come in and say something about the show, then uh, I'll have it up for that. And I'll be screening, make sure it's all uh, it's all on the up and up, okay? So no, uh, no jumping on to, to spam the uh, call. All right, so let's jump into today's first story, which is something crazy out of Ukraine. I'm sure you guys have heard that they're sending 
you know, Patriot missiles, they're sending, uh, you know, artillery in, they're sending aircraft over. The Ukrainians are shooting down Russian aircraft. I think they shot down eight aircraft in the last couple of days, something like that. But this is a crazy story. When you deal with what uh, President Zelensky's been dealing with over there, you hear about all this crazy stuff. Here's one crazy thing coming out of Ukraine. Ukrainian official who attended Russian peace talks mysteriously killed. And uh, th this is crazy. This is some espionage, spy, treason type stuff right here. A Ukrainian official who was present during the first peace talks between Ukraine and Russia, which was like a week ago now, was killed during a mission over the weekend. Ukraine confirmed the official was one of three spies who were killed, but did not say how. The media reporting that he was suspected of treason. This is crazy. The main director of intelligence of Ukraine's Ministry of Defense, GUR, first revealed the death of Ukrainian intelligence operative Denis Kiryev in a Facebook post on March 5th. Two other Ukrainian intelligence operatives, Oleksiy Dalia and Valery Chibinev, were also killed over the weekend, the post stated. Again, if you're here just to watch me butcher names, there you go. They died defending Ukraine. Their deeds have brought us closer to victory to post red on behalf of the Central Intelligence Agency. We express our sincere condolences to the families of the victims. Heroes do not die, the post continued. They live as long as we remember them. Glory to Ukraine. Glory to heroes. And it says here, Kiryev was not officially listed as a delegate at the February 28th talks between the two nations. Oh, wow. February 28th already, so 10 days ago. But he appears in several photos and videos at the event in Hamel, Belarus. His role at the talks is unclear. A journalist whose name is Vladislav Davidson kind of broke the news here, seems to have broken the story that Kiryev was reportedly killed by the Ukrainian SBU Intel service while resisting arrest after being suspected of treason by the Ukrainians. So what they're saying here is this one operative of the Ukrainian intelligence agency here was being charged with treason against Ukraine, so an insider threat. And when they went to go arrest him, there was some kind of, uh, you know, um, resistance, some kind of conflict, and it ended up with him being killed. The New Voice of Ukraine reported, which is a, a media outlet, reported that Kiryev was secretly holding phone calls with Russia, giving them secrets. The greatest threat's always an insider threat, right? They say loose lips sink ships. You take those opsec classes, and you always got to look out. Insider threats are definitely dangerous. The United States has insider issues that we've arrested and sentenced spies in the United States in the last few years. A bunch of people have been arrested and charged with treason for selling secrets to China. There was that married couple who were selling secrets of the nuclear submarines to, was it Russia or was it China? You guys remember that story a little while ago? A husband and wife duo. So this is a very real thing. This is a very real threat. And uh, Ukraine is reportedly experiencing insider threats. Now, is this like in the Matrix, you know, where uh, the one guy gets, you know, brought up and says, hey, we'll give you this great life. You'll be, you'll have everything you ever wanted. Look, you're losing anyway. You're going to lose. So why, why go down with the ship? Why not just, you know, do what's right for your family. We'll make you wealthy. You'll, you'll live in a palace. All you have to do is give us the secret so we can end this. And not only that, but we'll end it more peacefully because we'll end it faster and less civilians will get killed. You'll really be a hero for Ukraine and a hero for Russia. You find the right person who's already questioning their patriotism and their, their belief in their dedication to duty. And, and you could easily flip them, easily flip them, especially somebody who's, who's trained in working people, working sources. All of a sudden you're, uh, you're, you're right up the, you know, right up their, their alley. So Denis Kiryev, one of the Ukrainian delegation at the Belarus peace talks in Hamel, is reported to have been killed by Ukrainian SBU intel service while trying to escape arrest. He was suspected of treason by the Ukrainians. Extraordinary news, the tweet says, and there's a photo of him here highlighted at the peace talks. During a speech over the weekend, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, Volodymyr Zelensky praised Ukrainian fighters pushing back on the Russian invasion for not giving up. And there is no stopping the resistance. Our people, our Ukrainians do not retreat, not giving up. There's no stopping the resistance. They scream invaders go home like a Russian ship. Ukraine's military said on Saturday that it shot down at least eight Russian aircraft on a 10th day invasion. And uh, and they're still it's still ongoing. So as we all know, as we all know, and things are heating up. With the United States and Ukraine, we're, we're done importing, you know, Russian oil. We're done uh, cooperating with the Russian government. Russian citizens are getting poorer and poorer. And, um, you know, we'll see where this whole thing goes. I'm done trying to predict what's going to happen next. I, um, I guess that, you know, be ready for anything at this point. I guess we have to be ready for anything. That's where we're at.
So, I don't know. What do you guys think? Let me know. Eric says it was probably a Spetsnaz operation. Mm -hmm. Techno Ruffle says this was initially reported as an uh, execution. I guess he was resisting arrest now. Yeah, there you go. Um, what do you think of Colonel McGregor's take on this? I don't know what that means, so I, I'd have no thoughts on it. So, back... So. We'll, we'll continue, like I say on, on you know typical episodes, I'll bring you guys what I think is interesting news out of Ukraine, something that I can flip around um, and make relevant for what I do here on the Scuttlebutt Show because it's, uh, it's, it's not my place and I'm certainly not educated enough to go tell you guys what is right and wrong and really happening over there. I'll leave that to you know teenagers on TikTok, I guess. They seem to be the experts. On uh, on oil, you know, production and energy production and all that stuff, you know, look out for the person who says they know what's going on because usually, uh, what's that? The Dunning Kruger effect. The people who actually know the least feel like they know the most, and if they are, you know, good at their people skills, they could easily get you to uh, listen to them. And if you don't know, then you don't know how to challenge them. So if you're not, if you're not at least moderately educated on a subject, somebody could come in, start yapping away at you, you know, fast talker, saying good things, you know, knows how to work people. And all of a sudden you're like, Hey, this person's my new thought leader. And, uh, and I don't know how to challenge them. They must know what they're talking about. And they're totally working you totally working you. Anyway, have you guys hit that subscribe button yet? Consider going over to Patreon, join the channel, shopping at scuttlebuttshow.com. You guys know that I'm just kidding, but yes, you guys should be checking all that stuff out because it goes a long way to support the channel. Um, Let's uh, let's let's flip the content a little bit over to a more traditional scuttlebutt show story because I've got a very interesting one here. I think the chat will enjoy this one a little bit. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think about this. U.S. Army vet and Somali refugee vows to unseat Elon Omar in Minnesota. So a soldier is coming after that number one spot, that number one seat for Elon Omar. So somebody who loves America versus somebody who hates America. I guess we'll see what happens here. The voting will say a lot. We've got U.S. Army veteran and Somali refugee vowed on Wednesday to unseat Representative Elon Omar in Minnesota during the midterm election this fall, one vote at a time. This is interesting because, you know, you really can't play identity politics with this one. You know, like this is two people from similar backgrounds. Uh, you know, they come from the same place. They come from some of the same struggles, I imagine. And then they just went very different paths. They chose very different paths in life. And I, I guess their politics and their ability to run a campaign will determine who gets elected. She says, Elon Omar will not be reelected to Congress this year in a tweet from Shukri Abraman. I'm a 10-year U.S. Army combat veteran, and I will be replacing her. I got to get her on the Scuttlebutt Show. If you, hey, if you're out there, if you're out there, Shukri, and you want to come on the Scuttlebutt Show and talk about this, I would love to have you. In response to another Twitter user doubting her ability to beat Omar, Abraman said she is in the community daily and will win one vote at a time. In an interview with Fox News last month, she said she believes in a well-funded police force securing American borders and preserving the American dream that she found after escaping an authoritarian regime in Somalia. I have never forgotten and never will forget what America gave to me. I took an oath when I became a citizen and I took an oath when I joined the U.S. Armed Forces. These oaths I took both ended in so help me God and neither of them expire. Boom. Strong words right there. Strong messages sent via Twitter. You know, it's just funny that that's how, you know, it's funny that that's how the government communicates with people now is, uh, you know, their official Twitter page. I don't know. A mother of three, uh, Abdurman, I hope that I'm saying that right. I mean, you know, no disrespect if I'm saying it wrong. Abdurman announced her candidacy earlier this year, telling Fox and Friends host Todd Pirro that Representative Omar's far left goals are upsetting to see. She says, I gave my life to this country for 10 and a half years. I put my life on the line for the ideals of America and that the America that I got used to, the America that I was proud to put my life on the line for. And I came here legally as a refugee. Abdurman said, adding that she spent years in the slums of Kenya while being vetted to emigrate to the United States legally. No small feat. That must be a very uh, that must be a very trying process. I am sure. I certainly have a lot of empathy and sympathy for people who've had to go through that. It's harder than anything I've ever had to do. I'm sure. I'm sure I can say that. Now you have open borders that we don't know who's crossing. No one is getting vetted. She said, "We don't know how dangerous those people are to our livelihoods." I've seen all kinds of reports of who has been coming across the border and 
including people on terror watch lists. I don't know. I am not the expert on that. Here's what I can say. In 2019, I did official photography photography for United Nations tour, um, visiting the southern border in San Diego. And we were in briefs with the uh, with the border patrol who were d- saying very alarming things. And this is in 2019. And leaders from around the world could not believe the state of our borders. I can tell you that. I was in the room. Le- international leaders from the United Nations, from dozens and dozens of countries, thought that our border security was a joke. So do what you will with that information. I'm telling you, it's firsthand information. It's not something I heard. It's not, so, it's not scuttlebutt, okay? Firsthand information. And, I, and I've seen it with my own eyes. That we need to do a better job of understanding who's coming across the border on the southern end of the United States of America. Of course, that's important. Of course. I mean, people, you know, there's this thing going on right now um, of, of uh, I've seen New York and there's other, I believe, laws already in, this, in place in this for, for voting in local elections and stuff that you don't need to be a citizen to vote in the uh, local elections. If, you, if somebody says that they believe that you do not need to be a citizen in local elections, if, if that's somebody's feeling, I would ask them this. Why is it so important to you that Australians vote in your election? And they would be, of course, confused. And I would say, seriously, I mean, what is it? Why is it, why is it just so critical that Australians vote in New York City? And they would say, I don't understand why you're asking about Australians. And I said, wait, do non-citizens only come from one country? What country are you referring to? And then I would let them take it from there, right? Because no people talk about how they stand up for their values with these kinds of things. They stand up for their ethics, but really they're only standing up for their partisan politics. And that's the truth. Anyway, off my soapbox, back to uh, this thing over here. She says, I don't believe that vetting is racist. I don't believe securing our borders are racist. People need to come the right way, and our nation needs to be kept safe. All of our politicians, government leaders have a responsibility to protect our sovereign nation and our people. Last week... Abdurman posted a political advertisement on Twitter highlighting her difficult early years in Somalia and how her life has le- uh, how her life has led her to run for Congress. Elon Omar was given a second chance when America took her in, but chose to ridicule the very country that saved her life. So let's uh let's watch this video that she has here on her uh, Twitter page. It's her advertisement for herself, I guess. So this should give us a uh, a decent amount of information here as to what she's all about. Let's check it out. My father was taken in the middle of the night by Mohamed Ziad Barra's regime. Eventually, he was returned to us, but Barra's men had poisoned him for refusing to join his regime. The scars of living through civil war, surviving abuse at a young age, losing my father all remain with me. In fear of our lives, my family fled war-torn Somalia to the slums of Kenya, where we spent nearly four years in refugee camp waiting with hopes to come to America. From Somalia to Minnesota, my family and I were welcomed as legal American citizens. America had saved my life, the land of opportunity. Inspired by the events of Black Hawk Down, I joined the military to give back to the men and women who gave their lives so that I could have a second chance. I served over 10 years as a United States soldier I was deployed to Iraq where I fell in love with a fellow soldier and gave birth to three beautiful children. But they lost their father to PTSD and the pains of war. My husband was a different person that we no longer recognize. It wasn't easy surviving domestic abuse and taking on my newfound role as a single mother, struggling to care for them. At one point, homeless, living in our car, poor and tired but my hand is not out. I still believed in the American dream, resistant to become helplessly dependent on a system I have seen vulnerable communities and so many of my brothers and sisters become enslaved to, rather than empowered to truly prosper in the land of the free. Our lives, our pride and dignity can no longer be bought in exchange for votes that only keep the elite in power who disappear and abandon us after election season is over. The self-aggrandized political class who do not represent the people. My name's Kree Abdurrahman and I'm running for Congress in Minnesota. I am a survivor. 
a refugee, a mother, a black Muslim, but above all, I am a Minnesotan and an American, just like you. Whoa, I was not expecting that. What did you guys think of that? Let me know in the comments. That was heavy. Wow. So shoeforcongress.com. Holy smokes. If you're out there, I'd love to talk to you on the Scuttlebutt Show. Hit me up. Whoa, that was heavy. I was not expecting all of that about her husband, the father of her children. Jeez. Um, um, let me know what you guys think about that in the comments. Bravo Zulu to her for uh, sticking it out. That is tough. I hope she's, uh, I mean, I hope that during those toughest times, she had some veteran benefits to lean on because that is oh, tough goings there. Wow. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's heavy, I guess. I don't know really what to say. That's, that's the real deal. She went through it. That's been a tough life. You know, like, do you ever meet somebody whose personal story makes you go, you know, you're thankful you heard it because it makes your problems seem conquerable? You know, like, you're, everyone's going through stuff, right? Everyone, everyone's gone, I'm going through stuff. Everyone's going through stuff. And then you meet somebody who's, you know, who's been through worse and perseveres. And even on your maybe toughest days, you're like, I got this. You know, I got this. And uh, that's one of those moments right there. Like, I should shut up. I, I need to get my ass in gear. I need to shut up about my problems because if she's if she can do that, I can take care of what I got to take care of, you know? And so thank you for sharing that story, future congresswoman. I hope that she uh, has a chance. I don't know what the districts out there look like. I don't know what the, um, you know, the uh, census out there politically is like. The, battle, the battlefield for politics might be uh, inconquerable. For her to win there, but she's inspired the us listening right now. So there's that. Shout out to her and uh, and best of luck and a veteran and a soldier and everything, mother and uh, man. Dealt with abuse, she says. Uh, the whole gamut, the whole gamut. So I hope that she uh, is successful, and then uh, one day we'll have her on the show as a future congressperson. That'd be awesome. So you know, we do just as all, just as quick as we see, let me check in on the chat really quick. I see some chat here. Let's see. MC says that was inspiring. Super poo. What's up? Says that was awesome. But I learned the people we think we need never really make it. She needs a lot of money to play the political game in our country. Yeah. MC says that was exactly what I was thinking. Max eye opening. Yep. I love reading history and I can never get enough of it. Tiffany says, yeah, get into it again. It's always good to learn more history. Yeah. So we talk a lot about, um, the problems in the, 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 there's discipline problems in the military, but there's also justice problems. And we talk extensively about the justice problems in the military. You want to believe that the uh, you want to believe that the system is fair. You want to believe that the system is impartial. But then we get so many examples that bring that into question. One of them is right here. Senior NCO convicted of sex crime will be allowed to retire at a lower rank. Okay, well, what if I told you it's one of multiple times he's been accused of this and uh, he's going to retire with full benefits? What do you guys think about that? Leave me a comment. We got Air Force, the Secretary of the Air Force, Frank Kendall, is going to allow a former senior master sergeant, which is an E-8, to retire after being convicted of abusive sexual contact, contact and dereliction of duty. Though the airman's wing commander recommended he be fired. So his own commanding officer recommended he be fired. The secretary of the Air Force, which makes no sense if you think about this. This person is nominated by the president of the United States, jumps down a chain of command to allow him to retire. Master Sergeant Jeremy Zier, a manager at the Air Force Public Affairs Agency, which just, of course he is. Of course he's public affairs. Like, why wouldn't he be? <sighs> Joint Base San Antonio Randolph, Texas, was found guilty in the special court martial in August 2020. Tech Sergeant Cambria Ferguson has publicly accused him of groping her in a hot tub while they were stationed in Turkey in 2015, probably at Erklik Air Force Base, Inkerlik. She was an airman first class at the time. Zier denied the claim. He was also charged with dereliction of duty for disrobing in the hot tub with lower ranking airmen. I guess. 
To be disrobing in a hot tub must mean you've taken off more than the usual amount of clothes because you get into a hot tub in swim trunks for a man that typically means with no uh, top on, just a pair of board shorts, swim trunks or something. So he must have uh, dressed down, you know, one level more than that. The jury found him not guilty on two other charges of similar conduct in December 2019 including one in Charleston, South Carolina, and one in San Antonio. This guy's going, this guy's jet-setting around the world, being accused but found not guilty, that's important fact here, of similar behavior, but then is found guilty of a similar charge later. So what does that mean? Does that, does that in your mind, I mean, it means nothing legally, but in your mind, does that add legitimacy to the other charges, the fact that he was eventually found guilty of it? As a senior non-commissioned officer, Sergeant Zier had a special responsibility and duty to protect and look after the airman under his authority. Sergeant Zier's misconduct against a fellow airman violated that trust and his duty as an Air Force leader. Such conduct is unacceptable, does not meet Air Force standards, and won't be tolerated. An administrative discharge board decided in December 2020 to keep Zier in the Air Force. <laughs> Could have gotten him out then. In April 20, so the system kept him in. He he assaults someone. In April 2021, 502nd Air Base Wing Commander Brigadier General Caroline Miller sent the case to Kendall to review and potentially reverse the outcome. Zero then asked to retire instead of being discharged, complaining that the Air Force was trying to push him out without a pension. I mean, you know, you 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 uh you've been charged three times with uh this indecent conduct, and you're saying that the Air Force just wants to, you know, prevent you from getting your pension. You know what the military pays in pension every day to people? I don't think yours was the drop in the bucket that would overflow it. Zero was slated to become a chief master sergeant, that's an E9, but will finish his career as a tech sergeant, that's an E6. After being twice demoted over the course of his prosecution, the jury at his court-martial reduced him to master sergeant instead of issuing jail time. Kendall will now demote him to tech sergeant as well. The consequences of Sergeant Zero's conduct were thoroughly considered in criminal administrative forums and finally by the secretary in accordance with the law and process from Air Force spokesperson Rose Riley. The secretary's decision to demote Sergeant Zero will carry significant loss of retirement income over the course of his lifetime. The Air Force has not set a retirement date yet, but at least, you know, the world knows who he is at this point. And it, the military would never, ever, ever let somebody who was like an E4, it's a, exactly, you ever feel like, I often feel like the world is literally 180 degrees out of sync. You know what I mean? Everything feels exactly, perfectly the opposite of how it should be. Senior leaders are expected to maintain the highest standard. As such, when they shake their fist in the face of the standard and of their junior subordinate troops by doing stuff like this, they should be asked to face stiffer punishment, yet, of course, they are not. They get off with the easiest, least amount of trouble. Just like the, and I and I always will go back to this, Marine Colonel, I believe his name was Lee, caught stealing from the exchange in Korea, stealing thousands of dollars worth of items, including security cameras, security, security cameras, and got off with literally no punishment. It's unbelievably frustrating. It is crazy. It's exactly the opposite of what should happen. So, you know, you know, I mean, you do know, right? You guys know, you guys know, (sighs) but you know, the system's the system. And I've got another story about the system here. The system's the system, I guess. And, uh, and as far as the system goes, some people use it to their advantage And who's more tactical than the Navy SEAL community? Pentagon has asked the Supreme Court to rule in Navy SEALs COVID-19 vaccination refusal case. So the Navy SEALs have been pushing their religious freedom exemptions against the COVID-19 vaccine through First Liberty Institute for quite some time now. We've been covering that story. And they have made it to the highest court in the land, the Supreme Court of the United States of America. The DOD has filed an emergency appeal with the U.S. Supreme Court to intervene in a case that effectively has blocked the Navy's authority to discipline members of its special operations community who refused the COVID-19 vaccine. The Biden administration asked the court Monday to weigh in on a federal district court decision that suspended the Navy's ability to punish the 35 sailors who have refused the vaccination, citing religious objections. I thought COVID was over. 
Last week, the Fifth Circuit of Appeals upheld the order prompting the government to take the matter to the Supreme Court, arguing that a portion of the ruling oversteps the judiciary bounds and usurps the military authority. The DOD has asked the court to consider Judge Reed O'Connor's injunction that bars the Navy from designating the sailors as non-deployable, restricting them from participating in training and operations. In other words, in other words, making them fit for full duty. In response to that extraordinary and unprecedented intrusion into core military affairs, the government has moved for a partial stay pending appeal. The Navy has, ex ex has an extraordinarily compelling interest in ensuring that the service members who perform those missions are as physically and medically prepared as possible. That includes vaccinating them against COVID-19, which is the least restrictive means of achieving that interest in the argument for vaccines. O'Connor of the Northern District of Texas, Fort Worth, ordered the service in January to halt all disciplinary procedures against 35 members of the Naval Special Warfare Command who sought relief from the DOD's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. The DOD is not asking for emergency relief from the prohibition on disciplining or discharging the service members involved in the suit. It simply is seeking to factor in vaccination status when determining who is deployable or non-deployable, especially in units that operate in small teams and close quarters for extended periods. It's just... Uh, it's just a shame. I mean, there's so many precedents in favor of the vaccine that are, uh, you know, I never wanted to get a smallpox vaccine. I'll tell you that. I never wanted that anthrax vaccine, all 10 rounds or whatever. I never wanted the Japanese encephalitis vaccine before I came out here. You know, I just, and I never blinked at it. I never blinked. Whatever. G give me whatever. Just stick it in my arm. That's fine. Right here on my tattoo, you know, right on my left arm. Just I'll take it, whatever it is. Just, you know, what is it? Just give it to me. I don't care. Got like 15 and five minutes in boot camp. And uh, and I, I just wonder, you know, when um, when we'll see the end of the COVID vaccine hesitancy, if ever. Or is it too late? Will it never be a thing? Will will people never get past it? Like it will is there nothing that can be done? What I mean is not to criticize people who are against it. That's not my place. But what I'm saying is, is there anything that can be done to make people who are hesitant get it? Or or you think or you think no? The DOD is not asking for emergency relief from prohibition on disciplining or discharging the service members involved in the suit. It's simply is seeking to factor in vaccination status when determining who is deployable and non-deployable. And this is, of course. In relation to another story I have here, Pentagon asks Supreme Court to allow it to stop the deployment of unvaccinated SEALs. So they basically it's gotten to the point now where these SEALs are going to be put on rotation for operations, but they're unvaccinated. And can the president and the DOD jump in and stop them from being deployable? I'm actually not sure why they can't. The commander in chief, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the Secretary of Defense can't go in and do this, but they, but the Secretary of the Air Force can, you know, jump in and prevent a guy from getting kicked out for uh, being a, a, a dirtbag assaulter. The Biden administration is asking the U.S. Supreme Court to reinstate a major portion of its program mandating the members of the military to be vaccinated against COVID-19. So this is just a follow-up to this story. Um, Basically, the federal district court judge in Texas issued the order that bars the SEALs from requiring the vaccine. Um, so that, that court in Texas is what got us to this point. They've protected the SEALs in question up to this point. In an emergency appeal to the Supreme Court, the Defense Department is arguing that the lower courts have usurped the president's core constitutional power. So that's what this is about. And by extension, the military's power. So as commander in chief, does the president have the authority to overstep and jump down into the SEAL teams to make these guys non-deployable in the face of the ruling that the court in Texas made? And I guess you got to go back to, uh, you know, most recently when this exact situation as far as the president jumping into the SEAL teams was last uh, Trump and Eddie Gallagher, where he went in and said, no, he's getting re retired with all his with his trident and everything. Um, I guess I think that the president probably can do that. I don't I don't I don't know my guess if I'm if I'm totally guessing if I really don't know and I'm totally guessing I would be shocked if the president can't do that is what the Supreme Court argues. So we'll see. Like, have you ever wondered if the president of the United States was like on a battlefield somehow and there were troops there, if he could start giving orders, if they would have to follow it as opposed to like their 
you know, OIC. They would just do whatever the president says. Do you think a president would ever try something like that? Like, hey, I'll take it from here, Captain. Uh, give me the map. I'll land up, land nav us out of here. I'll just, uh, let's see. What is it? What I heard dog in the doghouse one time and we should be fine. You know, I don't know. What do you guys think? Let me know. So all, one seal has already been forced out. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. One seal has already been forced against its best judgment to deploy an unvaccinated seal for duty on a close quarter submarine. So at least one seal is already deployed uh, being unvaccinated. So interesting. Vice Chief of Naval Operations Admiral William Lesher filed a sworn declaration in the case saying that illness, the illness of even one member of a small seal team due to COVID-19 could compromise a mission. He said it would be a dereliction of duty to allow unvaccinated personnel into an environment in which they risk the lives of others. Now, maybe, I mean, it's a respiratory disease. You need to have your lungs in pretty good shape to go diving, to go do incredibly demanding physical activity. You need to, but, but then again, dudes have operated with being really sick in many other ways. Like when you're deployed, I'm sure everyone out there can attest to this. You don't take a sick day if uh, you get attacked. So I don't really understand. Um, there's not an airtight argument here. Well, I was on deployment on the USNS bridge and somebody got um, chicken pox and they had to quarantine. Like you don't want to bring down a ship. So it's, it, it's, compl it's complex. I'm glad it's going to the Supreme Court because they'll judge. And I think that what we see, what we see um, if, the, if the Supreme Court rules that these guys get to stay in the Navy, I wonder what kind of ripple effect that has for everyone else with a pending COVID-19 waiver. Hmm, that'd be curious. Federal District Court Re Judge Reed O'Connor invalidated the vaccination mandate, finding that the challengers prior to the mandate had carried out their job safely. O'Connor said that the Navy lacks compelling interest in mitigating the risk of COVID-19 because SEALs face other hazards, including everything from gunshot wounds to parachute accidents that may create risks of equal or greater magnitude than the virus. He further said that allowing one service member to remain unvaccinated would not prevent the Navy from achieving herd immunity, given a high level of compliance in military services. I don't know about all that. Not not uh, making any comments. No, I'm not making any personal additions to the medical facts stated here. Uh, I don't want to get canceled. We're already like right on the edge there. Sometimes when we talk about this stuff. I'm just trying to advocate for the military here. Just trying to have a serious conversation about the effects of mandates in the military. All right, YouTube. All right, please don't cancel me. What do I think? You know, there's something in the military called ORM operational risk management. It's like exactly designed for this type of situation. And you identify hazards, you assess the hazard, you make risk decisions, you implement controls, and then you supervise. In the case of COVID, the hazard is COVID. The assessment of COVID is it's a probably mild hazard. You make risk decisions. Hey, is the risk of contracting and spreading COVID greater than the risk of not doing our missions? Um, or can we do the mission with, uh, without this guy? Like, yeah, this guy's unvaccinated, but maybe he's the best at underwater demolitions. And so maybe, uh, maybe we need to bring him, right? And that is worth the risk. You implement controls, which in, in the case of COVID would be the vaccine, mask wearing, social distancing, all that stuff. And then you supervise and you ensure that those controls are being uh, used. That's that's what the ORM process is. Part of that is the, uh, the um, principles of ORM, accept no unnecessary risk. So it, in that regard, do you accept the unnecessary is... COVID a necessary risk because it could be prevented. The only thing stopping it being from, from being prevented is this religious exception. So is that accepting an unnecessary risk or not? Only accept risk when the benefit outweighs the risk is another one. And anyway, it's all in the Blue Jackets manual. I've got it over here. I won't go much deeper into that rabbit hole. It's just funny because uh, it, there's exactly a process for this. So why can't the leadership in charge at the lowest level 
make you know these decisions. That's what I think should have been the case since the beginning of the pandemic. But hey, it's none of my business. None of my business. Justin says yes because we accept some necessary risk. We should fail. Should, we should fail to mitigate any risks. Sounds logical. Yeah, the logic does not follow there, but uh, it should be up to the commanders over there. I mean, I, I think that that's uh, that's clear. It shouldn't be up to a million people on the internet. I don't know. And it's not. I guess it's up to the government. It's up to the Supreme Court, and they'll decide. And and my question then is: Will you accept the decision? of the Supreme Court if they rule in favor of the religious exemption? Or are you already preparing to, to battle it? I don't know. I don't know. And at one point, is it just a, uh, a measuring contest, if you know what I mean? At some point, it, it, it just becomes that. Good news, interesting news. You know, it's funny because uh, I've got two more things. I've got a story, and then we're going to talk about the, the upcoming Jack Carr TV series, which is going to be really cool. So... Um, let's see. H says Max, we updated the J pub to allow a sick day as part of the AOS OSR. It's all good now. Oh, there you go. Okay, cool. Well then it's all good. I'll, I'll, I'll shut up. It's all good. <laughs> um, I, I heard recently Elon Musk has been in the Twitter, uh, sphere. Elon Musk has been getting blasted for like not paying taxes. Like that's so dumb. I think that that's so dumb. Um, of course, Elon Musk and other billionaires contribute massively to the economic success of the United States. Why do you think you're not using a British social media company right now? Why do you think we're not on the British version of YouTube? Do you think the leader of Google, the head of Alphabet's not a billionaire? Why do you think you're not tweeting from your British phone? Why do you think you're not getting stuff ordered to your house in three hours from a British company? Because American billionaires made all those things possible. So leave them alone, you know, like unless they're like Bill Gates, total scumbag, dirtbags uh, out there with Epstein on the island. I just saw an article a couple of days ago that um, that that uh, Melinda Gates said that the reason that her marriage failed was Bill Gates's relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Let that sink in for a second. All right. But the fact the argument that billionaires don't pay enough in taxes, holy smokes, Everything in, I'm looking at from my end of this uh, of, of this conversation between the two of us was made by American billionaires. Okay, it, everything I do every day wouldn't be possible without it. All right, and Elon Musk is somebody who's inspired an entire generation of people to get up and engineer stuff. And look what he's doing now, from U.S. General. Starlink in Ukraine showing what mega constellations can do. Starlink is Elon Musk's SpaceX internet service that he deployed emergency out to Ukraine to give them access to the internet. Bravo Zulu. U.S. Space Command has been impressed by SpaceX's ability to provide internet access in war-torn parts of Ukraine, the head of the command told lawmakers March 8th. What we're seeing with Elon Musk and the Starlink capabilities is really showing us what a mega constellation or a proliferated architecture can provide in terms of redundancy and capability, General James Dickinson, commander of U.S. Space Command, said during a hearing in the Senate Armed Services Committee. Committee. Dickinson's comments were in response to questions from Senator Tim Kaine, who noted that Starlink's ability to deliver communications from space over Ukraine is positive news and also an example of private actors in space entering into contested environments. That's a good point. He's put himself uh, he's put himself at risk. He's entered the conflict. He's enabled Ukrainians to 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 enhance their fighting ability. Because obviously access to information is one of the most important, as we've seen, one of the most important aspects of the entire conflict going on in Ukraine right now with Russia, the entire war. And Elon Musk has now made it possible for Ukrainians to access free, unrestricted information. Russia has been trying to jam the signals and block coverage, and that's made me wonder, Kane said. He asked Dickinson if there is a legal framework for U.S. commercial space companies that become involved in contested situations. And he said... We do look at that, Senator. We work very closely in our commercial integration cell on that very issue. It's exactly why we need a Space Force. I mean, that's this is the this is the reason. 
The Commercial Integration Cell, or CIC, is a group of 10 commercial satellite operators that work side-by-side -side with the U.S. Space Command at Vandenberg in California. U.S. Strategic Command originally created the CIC to share information about threats in space and other issues of concern given the military's dependence on commercial space services. The CIC includes Intelsat, SES, Government Solutions, you know, several other companies. You can look that up. I've never heard of any of them, uh, except for SpaceX. Starlink, with nearly 2,000 satellites in low Earth orbit, is by far the world's largest commercial satellite constellation. SpaceX has permission to launch 12,000 satellites and is seeking to ap approval to deploy 30,000 more. That would put roughly 50,000 SpaceX internet delivery satellites into space. That's mind-blowing to me. That's insane. SpaceX's president, Gwen Shotwell, said March 7th that the company has been working for weeks to secure approval for Starlink services in Ukraine before a government minister tweeted a request to Elon Musk. So they were already in work on it. And then somebody said, Musk, let's go. Get that internet over here. And he probably, I'm picturing he sent a rocket with rockets on it to Ukraine. It landed like something out of Halo, like, a, like it flew out of the back of a C-130, parachuted down, one pallet burned in, exploded. And, uh, and then they were able to get their Starlink up. That's cool. That's cool. So uh, bravo zoo to Elon Musk. Let me know what you guys think about that in the comments. That's cool. Scott, but why is the U.S. creatively bankrupt, though we depend on a lot of countries? But you were right. Creatively bankrupt? I don't even know what that means. I don't agree. I don't agree at all. Um, I, I, I don't agree with that. You have to tell me what you mean. Uh, you can feel free to uh, elaborate on that for me. Let's see. Finally, good news on the show. Yes, and we've got one more piece of good news. One more piece of good news is this. Here's the first look at Chris Pratt's Spec Ops series, The Terminal List. Oh, yeah, this is going to be awesome. So Chris Pratt stars as former Navy SEAL James Reese. Do you guys think this is a good casting choice? Let me know in the comments. We've got Prime Video's going for the long and slow rollout of its series, The Terminal List, based on former Navy SEAL Jack Carr's best-selling series of books about lethal operator James Reese. The show is set to premiere July 1st, 2022, just in time for you to binge it on Independence Day. Amazon Studios has released a first-look trailer for the show, and it's only 15 seconds long. And we're going to watch it here in a second, because also there's another announcement. Chris Pratt plays Reese, a former SEAL, is on a mission to track down everyone who's responsible for an attack on his family. <laughs> I don't, there's probably some taken joke to be made there. Carr is set to release his fifth Reese novel, In the Blood, on May 17, 2022. That's only in a few weeks. That book has made has a trailer that's a full minute long, even though the trailer says April 12th. We've confirmed May 17th. So let's first watch the trailer for his new book, which is going to be called In the Blood. Let's watch this. Wow, it's so relevant. So this is about Russia, Russia's cyber attack on the United States. America spying on its citizens. Time to hunt. All right, so we've got that book in the blood coming out May 17th, but the terminal list is, uh, is the one I have over here, and I've got it queued up ready for us to watch. And so if you guys are ready, I would love to show you the basically 15 seconds of footage that we have for Jack Carr's The Terminal List. And I'm sure we'll get a full trailer soon. It's still a few months away. It's about four months from now that the show's coming out. So let's check this out. Let's see this. Ooh, charges that M4. Sad car flip. Hatchet kill. All right. Hey, let's watch it again. <laughs> I guess we have to watch it twice.
wonder if that's a half face blades uh, hatchet there. All right, so you know, that's what we got to work with. It looks like um, Chris Pratt is fighting on his own turf. It looks like maybe he's in his own little his own city there. I'm not sure. I've never read the book. He's at a seal funeral, pinning the trident on the coffin, which we know is a scene where uh, Seal attends another seal's funeral. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Let's see what the article says here. We get to see Pratt in his dress uniform at a SEAL funeral, so everyone who hasn't read the books will know that Reese learned his trade as a Navy SEAL. We see his wedding ring because family's important to our hero's motives. We see SUV, convoy, car crashes, explosions, automatic weapons, actions. All of these are all the things you want in a special operations show, it says. For fans of the novels, that last shot of Reese may be the most important one. We see a silhouette of Reese wielding his iconic Winkler Sayoc tomahawk. Fans of the novel know that gear is crucial. That uh, is part of the Terminalist story. So on July 1st, July 1st, Independence Day weekend, you guys can go check that out. Let me know what you think in the comments. I'm curious. I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see how that turns out. I like Chris Pratt a lot. I, I support, you know, Navy SEALs in entertainment, of course. And Navy SEALs doing anything um, is cool. And it should be really good. Speaking of that, it's just a reminder that Duncan Smith, Navy SEAL captain, will be joining us on the 22nd. Um, live to talk about his uh, participation in Navy SEAL movies. And then we've got Rob Sweetman on the 24th. But next week is a a dry week for Scuttlebutt Live. I'll be out of the office. I do apologize. I know it's probably upsetting for a lot of people. But tomorrow will be Scuttlebutt Show Q&A. I'm looking forward to spending that with you guys. I'll have a link up if you want to call me, if you want to be part of the conversation, if you want to jump in and tell me your thoughts on anything. I know a lot of you guys are always telling me in the comments what you think. Maybe you think I'm totally wrong about something. Maybe you just want to tell me how much you've been enjoying the Scuttlebutt show. All you got to do is click that link in the description from a, your, your favorite phone, tablet, or computer device that you watch this show on, and you can join me. As long as you're dressed and don't say anything inappropriate, I'm happy to feature you. Uh, here, I'll listen to your opinion on anything as long as it's nothing that violates YouTube's uh, terms of service, and uh, we can have a conversation. So look forward to seeing you all then. With all that being said, that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. You guys rock. You're awesome. You're my heroes. I love doing the show. I love this week that we've had. Pick up Ben Milligan's book, By Water Beneath the Walls. If you haven't already, you will not be sorry. It's awesome. It is awesome. And with all that being said, I look forward to talking to you guys very soon. For now, that's the scuttlebutt.